0: So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, again, just pick that one or two things, things that are important to you, things that you think you're gonna like. Because uh, again, like I didn't, I didn't visit any place. That, honestly, the closest I'd been to a goat, I mean, I, goats were at a petting zoo, like at the at the Missouri State Fair. Like I didn't, I didn't Perfect. have any experience with goats. I didn't have zero animal husbandry experience. I helped, I helped with sheep um when i was a kid we would we would um round him up and hold him for a sheep shear so i i mean a little bit of exposure but nothing i mean i didn't grow up around it i those were You'd all... see him at
1: the state fair and be like yeah those are huge balls right <laughs> This is the Farm Hop Life podcast. I'm Matt Derosier. Today, my guest is Josiah Young of Over the Moon near Kansas City, Missouri. Let's find out what got him into growing his own food. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing good? Thank you very much. So, I saw a little quote on your Twitter, and I thought that that was interesting. You said, "I'm not an expert in much, but learning by doing." What did you What did you mean by that? I think we can all take a guess, but I'd like to like, to hear a little bit more about that.
0: So I'm much like a lot of people that, that kind of get into um, living in the country and doing things. I did not really grow up. I grew up on a little bit of land, um, but I didn't really grow up doing any of these things. And um, it's kind of hard to find people that do. And so a lot of times um, I just had to go out there and and do stuff in order to learn how to do it. Um, I'm really good at failing forward. Um, I do that professionally and I, I do that personally. Um, So it's just learning. It's just, and, and being completely unwilling to pay anybody or do any of those things, you know, have anybody else do it. I just, I just do it myself. Um, I kind of got that from my dad in uh, the 22 years that I lived at home. um, I never saw him pay anybody to do anything. He just learned, he learned everything, did it all himself, built his own house. That works. So still standing i hope yeah yeah he's actually that's uh he he built a geodesic dome um back in oh, the cool. the early 80s so any of my eccentricities um probably come from my father he's a he's an odd duck but um <laughs> but yeah so that he built he built his own dome um he and my mom did all by themselves they had some that's friends crazy. help but otherwise he did it all so i kind of get all that from him so
1: that's cool, the out of the box type of type of stuff like that. That's I'm i, I like alternative building methods. I think they're pretty neat. Um like adobe, cob, hempcrete, rammed earth, like all that stuff, earthbag, like I I don't know. I just, it's different. Well, and, the uh, the
0: unfortunate thing is is that if my since my dad did that, I have to do something crazy too. I can't let my dad one up. You got to
1: so. one up one up him?
0: Yeah, I've got a I've got a do something out of the box. I'm not sure my wife underground. Grand, but I I actually we we had some friends um when I was a kid that had a, a fully underground house, and it was it was pretty cool. What? So <laughs>
1: that is pretty cool. Um, so how did you get started homesteading? You don't call yourself a homesteader, you just make food for yourself, I guess, is what you
0: yeah. Make. I just I think I think slapping a label on it, it it makes it sound like it's not normal. And for me, this is this is just me. This is just what I wanted to do. It used to be normal, um, so why why slap a label on something that was was normal a hundred years ago, hundred fifty years ago, whatever? That's you know, point. people raise their own food, and that's just that's just what I want to do. And you know, if I can if I can make money off of it, or you know, if I can you know turn it a side hustle or whatever that looks like, um, that's what we'll do. But I I don't like. The label in general it's just it's just what Josiah wanted to do basically but uh really it kind of stems from growing up um I grew up on a little bit of land my parents um you know they tried to split between living a city life to some degree I guess or maybe not a city a, a normie life normal life um and living on land and doing stuff with it I mean I grew up in a dome I mean that's pretty odd um but that's kind of where it started is, you know, that idea that I could, you know, we had a garden, we had chickens, we didn't do anything crazy. Um, we lived, aside from living in a dome, I mean, we lived a pretty average, average life. Um, but I knew I wanted property. And uh, so it took a while. Um, we lived in an apartment for five years and then lived in a house in Kansas City for two years. And the market went nuts and we got out of there. Um sold out and moved on to our current property. Recently? Um well it's been it's in five years. It'll well it'll be five okay. years in August. Um so anyways, why why that changed, I guess early on, I would probably have just been happy to have a little garden and that be that. Somebody gave me a Joel Salatin book. I don't even remember who it was. Um and uh I guess subverted me, converted me, however you wanna however you wanna look at that. Right. Um but they gave me a Joel Salatin book and I was intrigued. I had never really thought about it. I didn't really care much about I still don't. I drink Mountain Dew. I'm not particularly <laughs> I mean I'm 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 a pretty normal when it comes to some diet. I mean, you can see the pantry behind me. Um you know, but it got me intrigued by all that and um so I started looking into what i wanted to do while we were still living in that housing in uh, in the city and uh, when we moved up here i jumped in with both feet um probably too much to be to be truthful it was it was a little too much we we did everything all at once that first year too so so yeah that's so that's pretty much the origin story
1: so let's i'm going to i'm going to go out of order here a little bit so what did you so your first year what did you what did you try to do in that first year that was a little too much? first year or two?
0: Big old garden. We took what what my parents had done, and I said I can do it better than my parents, and I think it was probably three times the size of my parents. <laughs> um, on top of that, my wife was well we we had two two of our kids. I think she was pregnant with the third the first growing year we had. So that so we moved in the fall so I had a little bit of time um, to kind of get acquaint, acquainted with everything but we did a huge garden we bought chickens we did pigs and we got our first goats all in that first wow 365 days um and it was it was a bit nuts I, I bit off more than I could chew it was it was and I was still commuting at the time so I, we live about an hour north of Kansas City so I was still driving 2 hours a day um, round trip and it was wow. just, it was too much and my wife well, I was actually working a little bit at the time too so we would go in together we would be down in the town for 12 14 hours with kids it was it was miserable it was absolutely miserable way too much but again learn by doing i i didn't know i didn't know that that was forward. yeah and i mean i did i did we learned what we what we could accomplish with all that we learned how to be more efficient with time um that's i mean that's what i do with my day job is is work on efficiencies and so that was something i had to learn is like you know i have to be better i have to be more efficient about it but
1: um do you you have any um like automation set up on your homestead then to like kind of improve efficiencies
0: that's something that's actually coming kind of this year. Um, previously we had really lousy internet mm. and um, I, I didn't really want to go down the whole networking, my stuff or doing any of that stuff. If I wasn't going to be able to monitor it when I was gone and we didn't sure. really have the bandwidth to do it. I'm talking like two or three megabytes down one up kind of a, it was bad. I actually sure. worked from home for about a, a year and a half that way. It was pretty miserable. Um <laughs> But that's something we're looking into this year. Um, We're talking about uh, putting some cameras up in the goat barn that we're going to be working on building this year. And um, doing a little bit of that kind of stuff. Monitoring, checking temperatures. um, More of that kind of stuff. As far as other other automation, we do have, I have a bunch of alarms um, for freezers for the root cellar chicken houses that kind of thing just to kind of keep an eye on things i don't necessarily automate any of those things but i get an alert if the temperature's pass a certain point or whatever um thus far we really haven't i mean other than that i don't know that there'd be a lot of stuff i go out there and i check on the animals in the morning so i mean opening and shutting it's not a huge deal and i work from home i if if i was still driving in i probably would have to automate some more to make make my life and my wife's life a little easier but yeah
1: not currently so. i was just i was just curious cuz it's it's been something i've been thinking about here like okay like if i set up like an arduino or something like that or one of the other 100 options i'm sure there are now like um i talked to a couple that have like one of those sun up to sundown like automatic chicken coop doors but they're like 175 bucks a piece and i'm like man that's kind of just to go open a door i feel like i could just go do that manually um but hey whatever whatever they want to do right so
0: yeah um, i mean that some of my concerns with those things is you know with animals weird stuff happens um and that's I think one of the things i mean i posted it was it was probably a month ago like an average time that it takes for me to take care of the goats. And um, that doesn't really take into consideration the time the goat like ramps through the door and disappears on you. Or when a possum gets into your chicken house and your chickens are all roosting outside, um, you know, because they're terrified and the possum's just in there eating eggs. Like if, if yeah. the door closes, I don't, I, you know, so I'm going to go check anyway. So I don't know how much that automation would help me. You know, we free range our birds. So some of that, I just don't, I mean, I I wouldn't say that I don't necessarily trust it. I just know, like we've had enough things go wrong. Right. I don't know that I would ever trust it. And I'm the kind of guy that I'll wake up at two in the morning and wonder if I close the chicken house. So, you know, my mileage may be a a little different than someone else's.
1: No, I get it. I mean, um, the automation sounds nice, but you're like, do I really want to run the risk of, it failing on me and then it was like okay then was it all worth it you know if you have a poor connection to start with you're kind of like eh. and then you know okay for some reason this stopped working and i thought it was still working now something as simple as like the gfi tripped on the outside of my house and the water froze up for the chickens Whatever I went out there, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the water just froze up solid. And so I'm like, I had somewhere to be that morning, scrambling to to get the bucket thawed out and come up with like plan B while that's thawing out. I'm like, man, is it gonna get above freezing today? I mean, if I put in warm water, it should be good all day. Um, I like you know, and then well, because the GFI tripped, you know, that's pretty, a pretty yeah. basic thing. Yeah. Um, and you're not trying to have it connected to the internet and back and all this, all this stuff. So.
0: And I work, I work it. I mean, not a, it's not technically a, a traditional it job, but I, 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 I see even stupid, simple things fail for the dumbest yep. reasons. And so I think it's funny. I, me and several of my IT coworkers, we talk about how, despite the fact that we're probably the most capable of getting these things working, we're also the least likely to do it. Like, a lot of the people that I work with, they have a lot of smart things in their house. I don't know that anybody in the, my IT department has a smart house or anything like that. Because Right. We just, I just know. And it's, it's not that it's necessarily a bad thing to do, just... Just leery because I see stupid things go wrong. So no, that's I agree. Other reasons.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I'm an electrician, and sometimes we run Cat six cable. Well, if it's twisted slightly, because Cat six is very picky, it the, it fails the test. And so, I mean, something as simple as that. Um, and personally, like I just have like a couple switches that turn lights on and off, and it doesn't always work, or like the like a nest doorbell camera cuz my wife likes to see who's who's at the front door um before she goes to the door and those things again doesn't always work so just as you add complexity it's just going to go haywire and go wrong so i thought i didn't ask directly but i had a feeling that you were in it based on some of your responses when we were uh when we were uh messaging each other so i thought that was I guess I was right. Yep. So, Absolutely. what motivates you to grow your own food?
0: You know, I guess, I guess there's a couple things. Um, a lot of it is for the kids, I think. Um, you know, it's kind of the cliche about like, I want them to know where the food comes from. Um, I also really want them to, have responsibilities that are important so that was a big thing um like i said earlier i'm not necessarily i we don't we don't spray anything we don't we don't i mean we're we're fairly organic i guess you could say um when it comes to what we grow um but it's not for any kind of prag i mean it, I, i'm pretty pragmatic about it realistically i guess um the most important goal is to put food on the table. And then after that, you know, I can start with, with being dogmatic about how I do it. Um, with the realization that I'm using less chemicals or I'm, you know, treating the animal better, um, along the way. But ultimately, you know, aside from all those things at the end of the day, it's, it's food security. Um, right. As it's kind of the big one of late. Um, you know, I, I was concerned, especially geopolitically. So I I work in import export um, for an import export company. And so I see how tenuous some of those connections are, um, how complicated some of those things are. And so even prior to um, Corona, knowing just how, what a delicate dance it is to make sure that we have food on our shelves and when corona happened and it made it abundantly clear um that there wasn't much difference between full shelves and and empty shelves um that was kind of a big moment for me and kind of kicking it i guess a little into overdrive in terms of you know being able to produce and maybe even saying you know turn it into a real You could side hustle a real farm, however you want to phrase that. We we had been given a bunch of chickens. Um so when we when Corona really first hit, we were selling twenty some dozen eggs a week because people couldn't get eggs. Um so we would just make a week once a week trip into Kansas City and you uh, say twenty dozen? Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. So
0: yeah, we have so now At the time, I think we had about 50 hens. Um, We have about 40 now, but um, so we were selling eggs and that was kind of, I mean, we were more than paying for chicken feed at the time. It was before feed costs went up and I realized item one, I can make kind of a side hustle and item two, there's clearly a a need for me to be able to do some of this. We live pretty far away from a grocery store, you know, being, being self-sufficient, when it came to eggs and when it came to dairy, it, it was a big deal. You know, there wasn't a lot of milk on the shelves at the time. So it, it kind of changed things for us. Um in terms of urgency, I think. We kicked it up a notch in terms of whether, you know, how how quickly we could self-reliant isn't isn't really an accurate word. The way I the way I see it is most people look at homesteading as like a horizontal monopoly. You wanna you wanna like take care of everything across the whole, you know, all your all your veggies, all your meat, all your da- all that stuff, and I think it's it's probably a lot more accurate historically as well as realistically to look at it in, in vertical monopolies. I want like the goats. We still import import. We still buy hay, but if I can make it so that I run the whole goat chain, we have a buck or two bucks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we do all the breeding, we cut all the hay here. If I can run that whole operation, then I am completely resilient in that way. Yeah, and that means I can barter those things for anything else that I need because nobody, you know, no man's an island. And so for me, that the food security ultimately was what it came down to. I'm kind of rambling there off the question there, but no, that's... food security was what it's all about. So at the end of the day,
1: um, are your goats for meat or for milk?
0: They're they're mostly for milk. Um, we had it was it was another one of my my homesteading mistakes, I guess you could call it. The first year we were here, um, we had a friend of mine. He had a bunch of Boer Kiko goats. Um, he brought I've up never heard of that and, breed before. It's a it's a cross. They're Boer slash Kiko. Um, oh, okay. They're big old I still haven't big old heard meat. Of that before. Okay. <laughs> um that's to my recollection they were they're big old meat goats it wasn't something we were particularly interested in but he brought them in and ran them in our pasture our pasture was hideously overgrown the previous owner maybe even previous owners had never never taken care of it so he ran those goats well he had two extra bucks that he didn't want anymore and so he just gave them to us so we slaughtered them. Um, about a month after we had them, and um, put them in the freezer. And my wife, it turns out, she's not a fan of the taste of bucky goat. I guess basically is what you could what you could call it. They were not weathered; they were real bucks. Sure. I didn't think it was so different from a buck deer. I've shot really? bucks before. Okay. We've eaten them. I didn't notice. It. I mean, it was a little gamier. It wasn't my favorite, but it was it was protein. Um, my wife's not a fan, so yeah. we haven't had goats since. Um, basically, she tells me that if if push came to shove, we would we we could eat the goats. But we've also been able to sell all of the little bucklings um, every time. Wow. So it's all—I mean, it's not a huge income stream, but it's a little bit of money. And uh, thus far, she's—that's her impetus for for selling them. She gets on Craigslist right away. And list them because if we keep them, I'm going to eat them. So she has a, a reason to list them, but that's funny. they're milk goats. Um, we have all of them, but one are Nigerian dwarf goats. Okay. Um, so they're not very big. They're kind of perfect. I, I know lots of people have different, different um, feelings on the matter, but for me, they're cheap. Um, at least locally, you can get a dough for 150 bucks. I'm not talking Very common. Yeah. Yeah. But they're 150 bucks here. You can get a buck for 75 bucks, um, and you can throw them in the back of a van. And at the same time, yeah. the math—it sounds horrible, but the math is: if I lose a goat, it's not a huge deal. I mean, it, it's it's awful. Don't get me wrong. I don't. Nobody likes losing animals. But if something goes wrong, I have 14 other goats out there. Sure. I can't, we don't have the land. We have 21 acres and about half of it we use for the homestead per se. Um, So I don't have enough land to really run a a fully contained cow herd. Um, But goats let us run a lot of animals, potentially run a couple bucks and keep the genetics, you know, clean. Um, But they're small, easy to handle. Like I said, you throw them in a minivan. And having a bunch of them means... The milk supply is a lot more resilient than just the one dairy cow or two dairy cows or however many I could realistically handle here, which is why we did it that way. So it works for us.
1: Good. How much does a goat buckling, I guess, go for on Craigslist? We've
0: been selling ours for about $75 a piece. So it's it's not bad. We've, we've never sold a doling. Um, We're still kind of growing. We're still trying to figure out, like I was talking about with, with a vertical monopoly, we're still trying to figure out how many does we'd need in milk to provide butter, yogurt, um, the fresh milk, ice cream every now and again, that kind of thing. We're not quite there yet, but most of our does, I think we're milking three right now. And I think we're about, I think we have two more that'll wean off here in a little bit. And then we'll have, we have four more that are bred. So potentially we, we could find out this summer exactly how many goats a a family of seven would need to keep us fully in dairy. So we'll find out. So then how many,
1: how many gallons are you getting a day?
0: We get a coat, a a quart um, per goat per day on average. Okay. Um, Right now is probably a terrible time to kind of spout that number off simply because they're on hay. Um, It's good hay. I mean, we feed them alfalfa, but um, usually that first flush of grass, they really start producing. Um, And obviously it it ebbs and flows based on how long it's been since they've been freshened. But that's the average for the little goats. We have one that's, uh, she's half Nubian. Um, and she produces a lot. She produces more than a quart a day, but that's pretty much it. So nice. they're they're pretty economical overall.
1: Did you say that you have pigs too?
0: We had pigs.
1: Had um, pigs. Okay, I didn't so know if you still had them.
0: That first year we had them. i one. I don't. It didn't make a whole lot of financial sense. We processed them all ourselves. Um,
1: that sounds like a lot of work.
0: It was, we had, we had two, my wife's cousin lives pretty close to us. And so he basically paid for, for me to care for one of the pigs. It was a lot of work. Um, and then we didn't, we didn't really, we hadn't really been connected to the community very well. There's some opportunities now to, um, I, I posted about it on Twitter, but we picked up a bunch of down corn. And I think if you can make some of those things work for you, then maybe you could make it, Makes sense, but it didn't really make all it didn't, it didn't end up the math didn't work out very well for us. Um, okay, I'd probably try it again with maybe a bigger pen and maybe with some of the connections I have now and some abilities to kind of um, scavenge food, but at the time the math didn't make sense. And one of them got pretty aggressive towards the end, um, mm. so I have little kids. I Basically, said you know what? Well, I'm not going to worry about pigs until either I can get a better setup, the kids are bigger, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I love bacon, I love sausage, so someday we'll probably end up doing it, but sure. it'd have to be a yeah. different setup. So,
1: gotcha. So, you said that you've got a that you were gifted a Joel Salatin book. Do you remember which one it was?
0: um ooh, i could probably look it's uh curious. one of them was everything i want to do is illegal i think um because it's funny that if the guy that gave it to me i don't think he was particularly food i think he was more just a libertarian bent like he just hated the government intervention so that's the reason he gave it to me but i got curious and i think i picked up a couple more of his books i've Sure. I forget there's there's two others that I really liked by him. Um, but yeah, I think it was everything I want to do is illegal or wh- whatever that one's called. So what's
1: funny about that book is like I will when it goes when it get sometimes it like makes its way across like the Internet or whatever every now and then. And like I always see it just the book title, but never the author. And I'm like, will you at least give credit where credits due? like, come on, that's kind of a dick move. Yeah. Um, I agree. So so the reason I ask about the books is I was just curious what methods um or techniques practices that you've got uh on your farm. Like rotational grazing or paddock shifting or something.
0: So we have um I forget how many how many links of um premier one electric netting that we use for the goats um, I think it's 300 total feet, but we run that in the yard a lot. Um, basically we move it. I hate mowing. It was one of the things when, when I moved to the country, I told my wife that I wasn't going to mow. I don't want, I don't want to be one of those guys that, you know, bought five acres and mowed and that's all he did. Like that just seems silly. Same. Um,
1: same. It's stupid.
0: So I, I'm, I'm glad that that's good to hear. So I have a lot more than that. I didn't want to mow 20 acres either. Um, but, I uh, So I, I did not want to mow. So that was one of the reasons we got the electric fencing. And um, so we rotate them through the yard. And then we have two paddocks that we put up with basically scavenged chain link. We had a guy he let, let me tear down all of his chain link um, that we put up. That equaled about a half an acre, which worked pretty well. That's pretty um, cool. Until the goat herd basically doubled last year. And so we've been putting in basically acre paddocks. Um, And then hopefully as we grow with that and as we put some more in, we'll end up dividing them a little more. I can't really right now because they're not cleared enough. It would be a nightmare to get them a little more subdivided. I'd love to get them into half acre, even quarter acre within those hardwired you know, permanent fences and kind of rotate them through. Um, But basically the setup is going to be pretty rotational. Um, We'll have a barn as basically the spoke of the wheel. And then we'll just have paddocks coming off of each, you know, in each direction. I think that's pretty
1: sweet. That sounds cool.
0: It it, basically the goal, the goal, and it goes back to the efficiency thing. I don't, Mm -hmm. I, I love the idea of intensively rotating, but, you, I could call it efficiency. Really. It's lazy. I don't, I don't want to have to go out there and be moving and juggling things all the time. Um, maybe when the kids are older, that could be a chore for them, but for now I, I don't want to have to mess with it. So the goal is basically, so we're going to build a barn, um, in the center of the, the pastures and we'll just open a door, you know, open each gate, depending on which, which pasture they need to be in and kind of go from there. Um, so that's, that's really it there. I don't, like I said, I love the ideas. Um, I'd like to put some of them in practice. It's more just, we uh, there's, there was no infrastructure here when we bought the place. So it's all been us building it. So the electric fence has come in handy for that. But
1: um, do you have your chickens follow your goats or do you not need to do that on your property?
0: We basically, so when we first, I guess backing up, when, when I grew up raising chickens, we had a very conventional setup, dinky little run, 10, 15 layers. That was it. Um, when we first moved up here, that's exactly how I did it. And I didn't like it. It was a, um, just a standard, I mean, it was a little, a cheap little Lowe's shed that the guy had bought prior to us moving up here. So I used that. We had tried a chicken tractor um, while we were living in Kansas City. We were trying at my parents' house still. We tried meat birds in a chicken tractor and it went horribly wrong. We had a raccoon sneak underneath the tractor oh. and kill half the birds. Um, and then two nights later after blocking all those holes up and turning it into Alcatraz, it got in again and um, we went from 50 meat birds to 18. So Ultimately, all that to, to be said, I think a lot of times these, I'll call them fancy ideas. They're not really. I'm leery of those fancy ideas because of that experience. I wanted to try something new. I wanted to get the chickens out on grass. I wanted to, I wanted to Joel Salatin it up, man. And mm-hmm. it failed horribly. And I'm not saying that's a bad idea. Um, I've seen it work. It's never worked for us. So I hated putting the chickens back in a house. It wasn't fun. But the first year we were here, um, me and my dog, between the two of us, we killed 27 raccoons out of the yard. And they weren't getting to the chickens or anything. There was just that many raccoons here. Wow. And that's just the yard. Like, I didn't go out of the way to do it. That was just me and the dog would go out there to check on animals right before bed, and there would be raccoons in the yard. So all that to be said the first year or two, I thought I had to, I thought that was just how I had to set it up. But basically we just started free ranging last, last year. Basically when feed started going up, um, it kind of goes back to the whole, you know, the goat value. If I'm spending $10, $12 a day, dumping a bunch of food at these chickens, is it, is it really worth the math? Um, versus the potential of losing a chicken or two um because I free range and so I started free ranging I just let them all out um we had a really nice pen set up for them it was pretty big and um I said I I can't afford the chicken feed so we're just going to free range so we free range I don't run them they still have a stationary coop um I don't run them after any of the goats or anything they go wherever the heck they want to um, it's been huge Feed consumption is way, way down. I mean, just absolutely insane. Um, we used to probably go through 20, 20, 25 pounds of feed a day, something like that maybe. We have a few wow. fewer chickens. Um, died of old age. We haven't had a single predation issue in the year that we've been doing this. Um, So we have fewer chickens, but um, we use way less food. I mean, down to just a couple pounds a day really. And, um, they seem healthier. I I realize that's kind of a subjective thing to say, but they do seem healthier. They run around a little, you know, a lot more. They seem, it's fun to watch them on top of that. I don't really like chickens, but it's fun to watch them free range. So it is. Yeah. But so that's, I mean, that's really it when it comes to the animals in terms of, so we free range them honestly, towards the end of last year, we were kind of free range in the goats. Um, we fenced off the orchard and the berries and then let them just go to town and figure things out. They didn't wander too far. Again, we never had a predation issue despite the fact we get neighbor's dogs and we ended up not having to feed hay into December, despite the fact that we didn't, um, I didn't do anything special. I didn't have any winter pasture. I didn't pull a Greg Judy and like leave a bunch of paddocks you know, I just, we just let it, let it go and they scavenged. So we've had some, I mean, a lot of learning, again, learning by doing um, when it comes to that stuff, you know, initially we did things really conventionally and kind of learning how to get away with doing something in a different way, something that works for us. Um, So that, you know, that, that kind of worked out when it came to the animals.
1: Very nice. So in your Do you use any of your chickens or, um, like goat manure in like building up like compost in your garden or anything or.
0: Yep. So we, um, we do basically the, I want a deep bedding or whatever for Mm -hmm. the chicken house. Um, we don't, we don't heat it or anything like that. We just throw a bunch of bedding in through the winter. Uh, what zone are you in? Uh, five B north, northwest Missouri. It's, um, Okay, it's five five b okay, um so we get we get pretty cold um we usually have this winter was really mild, but the chickens have been just fine down to negative twenty five for a couple nights with nothing um so it worked out pretty well it it does keep it a little warmer. I don't know how much warmer, I'm sure they'd be happier with a heat lamp, but they survived, so um. So anyways, we, every spring I clean that out and then we keep it pretty, um, pretty shallow in there. And then the goat manure, we mucked the barn out um, because prior to this year, they spent most winters in the barn. Okay. Um, just in a small little lot, the hay was in there. So it was a little more convenient. Um, This year we put them on one of the little paddocks, most of them with the exception of one or had uh, babies. Um, so that manure is not going to be quite as easy to use. But, uh hopefully, because goat manure is not as hot. Um, so the mm-hmm. plan is to take that paddock that's basically grazed or beaten to bare dirt. Um, we're going to till it up, till in all that poop, till in all the nutrients we got from the hay. And we're going to try some grains. Um, it's about a quarter of an acre. So we're going to put in um corn and that and try and well just you know just kind of an experiment it's a pretty cheap experiment corn's cheap so we're going to plant corn and see what happens see if it's worth basically hard you know winter paddock have them beat it down have them doing a bunch of the work have all those imported nutrients from the hay and see if that's enough to get a decent corn crop um you know enough The corn that we got when we went and picked up corn, um, it defrayed feed fairly well. I mean, so for us, that's kind of it. it, I'm trying to work. I'm I'm basically relearning what everybody already knew, which was, you know, graze it. Then you can plant in it and then let it go fallow. Like, we don't have to do that again. We can let it get back. I can put a better seed, a better pasture seed in there, let it bounce back, and then give it a break and not let it be a winter, you know, paddock for a year or two um which again i think some of that is just it it is relearning it is it is learning what works for us and again i mean some of those things like you read about them in books and some of that really does i mean it does work so
1: nice um about your free-ranging your chickens is, would you say that that's one of the things that you've tried and worked well? Was there anything else that
0: you? Tried oh gosh, yeah. Like? Free ranging chickens absolutely worked really, really well. Um, that was a it was a huge one. Um, the uh, the goats and the electric fencing was one moving moving them regularly.
1: How often do you I- have to move them? Did you say?
0: It just kind of depends. Um The more goats, obviously, the more goats we threw in there, the more often we had to move it. It's not a particularly huge—I mean, 300 feet when you turn it into a square—it's it's not particularly big. Um, and a lot depended on seasons. That was something we we ended up learning, I, I think, the hard way. Um, it was great. You're because watching we, we, the
1: grass.
0: Yeah, I mean, but we're watching the grass, but learning, learning that, like, in and, and again, this this is going to sound really silly to some people, but When you got that spring rain and your grass is just growing nonstop, it's like we kept the goats in basically an acre yard and we just moved them all the time. And then we hit late July and August and the grass stopped. And so, of course, like it it sounds silly to even say that now, but summer, late summer hit, we stopped having a bunch of rain and the grass stopped growing as well. And I mean, we we had I mean, we we got rain, but it, it wasn't growing as well. And so I'm sure experienced grazers out there would, would laugh at that admission, but I, it just hit me like out of nowhere, like, oh crap, I don't have anywhere else to graze. Um, so that's when we actually started building the first paddock, but that rotation and learning all that was really big. Um, the downside I think with goats and using a fence like that is that where I really want to put them is really brushy and moving those fences through brushy areas is the worst thing in the world. I bet. You, yeah. You want to test the strength of your marriage. You and your wife go out there. You and your spouse go out there and try and drag an electric fence netting through brush areas, trying to get it set up. Oh, man. Especially trying to do it before work. Like, you know, trying to sneak out there right before I was supposed to be at work. That's a tester. It was, it was pretty <laughs> fun at times. So.
1: So what would you say didn't work then other than trying to fit electric netting through brush?
0: Um, The chicken tractor is one I I did talk about. I had a terrible experience with that. I don't, I don't think we'd try chicken tractor again. Um, I'd be much more likely to free range, even meat birds. Um, What else? We've had all sorts of failures. Well, i it's I strongly page, suggest yeah. strongly suggest that people um, get their hay taken care of before December. That's another big failure this year. Mm. Um, it was kind of we just had all of our previous hay sources fell through the cracks, and I just didn't make it a very urgent thing. That's the reason why the goats free ranged. It wasn't because we wanted to. It's because I was a an idiot and didn't uh, didn't think hay was a big deal. Um fencing being really really serious about the fencing i our our dogs were kind of escape artists and so i thought if you could make you know i could make a pretty good fence because i kept the dogs in and we have one goat she will break out of anywhere um and so the the amount of frustration involved in keeping a goat that doesn't want to be in there um if you just make the fence right the first time that's kind of a big deal that's a a frustrating thing. Oh, I didn't really think about how many failures we have lots. I I fully admit we had many failures. Sure. Um, Yeah. Water. I think some of, some of the things that were probably most, most frustrating, we set up the animals in a place far. We had existing infrastructure. We have a, a, it's, it's, I think a, a hundred year old barn. um, that used to have electricity run to it and it doesn't anymore but that's where we decided to set up our animal operation and so having to deal with carrying water out there and um having to manually break up ice um those are like you don't think about that and it again it's my laziness yeah but man it's frustrating it's i mean i so I think for as far as things that I learned, it's until you know one hundred percent that the solution you're doing is going to work for you, being very willing to scrap whatever it was, whatever grand idea, and saying, you know what, that didn't work. Let's try something different. We we moved the chicken house three times before I built a permanent one. Um You know the goats. We tried them in different spots, and then we finally ended up settling on electric fence. I think those have been some of the more the bigger ones. Is Hmm. realizing, especially when you watch some of those YouTube videos, and this is this is a soapbox I get on for a lot of people. You watch some of those YouTube videos, and they have this very they have they have their way, and it works really well for them, and I'm sure it does. Um, But that doesn't mean it's going to work for me, and so really understanding that not being set in a a certain way because I wouldn't say that they're like tremendous mistakes, but they were things that didn't go well at all. Um, And the cost of them, you know, not being able to keep like, not being able to keep a buck um, in his pen. It ended up, I mean, it was just like a a knock on effects. He ended up breeding goats. We didn't want bread, Mm. which meant that we had does dropping kids in the middle of winter. So we ended up losing some kids, you know, and then, I mean, so just on and on and on, like that made it more difficult and I had to run, you know, I had to go out in the middle of the night and check on these pregnant does. I mean, just these little things like that, they end up just really exponentially increasing difficulty. And I think especially for someone like me who doesn't have a lot of experience with it, like those things making it making an already difficult experience an already difficult learning curve even harder because of one little thing at the start and like trying to find those right to make, to make life easier. So Yeah.
1: No, that's, that's good to know. Um Good to share like those, those failures. Like this is where I've, this is where I failed and, and had to learn hard from this or these <laughs> mistakes. So,
0: I mean, I really probably could. I, my wife would probably be a perfect uh, a perfect person to mention. Um, she tends to remember either the successes and the failures a lot more. But I mean, both. She's just better at remembering successes and failures a little better than me. I tend to try and at least, you know, just today's a new day kind of a thing, both good and bad. But sure. Um, I'm sure she could remind me of a few more um, ridiculous failures that we've had as far as. I guess I guess one of them it's it's not necessarily animal related but we uh we got up here it's a, it's a 100-year-old farmhouse and um there's no no wood burning stove or anything like that when we moved in and we just kind of assumed that the previous guy really liked money and didn't want to just burn his money in this furnace that he had that was not the case we had a ridiculous heating bill the first winter we were up here oh no um, I mean, and we couldn't even keep the house warm, so it was a ridiculous heating bill, and we couldn't keep the house warm anyways. And uh so, yeah, I mean, little stuff like that, where you just again assumptions. I mean, just these assumptions about how how something was going to work. So then, what did you do? We ended up so basically, we just suffered. We suffered through. I I will tell you right now, <laughs> we had the summer before, even with an air conditioner, um we were at about a hundred dollars a month. And then in February, the first winter we were up here, we had a four hundred forty dollar electric bill um so four times and it was cold still it was miserably cold that furnace could not keep up and it was like burning i mean it would i it would have been cheaper setting dollar bills on fire so we ended up going with a wood a wood burning stove i put it in um and it's worked much much better we took out the furnace actually so we're sole, solely wood wood heat in the house now so that's pretty sweet it's worked out really well so we do have, you have
1: anything? No, so Go ahead.
0: Oh, I just, we have a bunch of, the property's 13 acres of of timber and about 8 acres of pasture or brush. So, not I mean, we've gotten given a bunch of wood, so I'll sometimes go to other people's houses and get wood. But, I mean, we could do it all here. So, that's worked out really well. So, it's, I mean, aside from a chainsaw, you know, it's, it's free-ish. It'll pay for itself. So, yeah. Um, so do you,
1: do you have anything unique, um, that you're, you're running on your property or that you're trying to grow or anything like that?
0: I've done tobacco, um, three years now.
1: It's unique.
0: It's pretty easy, really. I'm kind of surprised more people don't do it. Um, especially Missouri has really, really low tobacco tax, but obviously not every state does, um. So I'm kind of surprised more people don't do it. I would say it's probably, about, I mean, it's about as easy as growing tomatoes. Um, obviously preparing the tobacco. <laughs> but it's really, yeah. I mean, it it really is. It really is about that easy. Obviously, it takes some work, and uh, I've been told I'm not a I'm not a smoker. It was really just for kicks and giggles. I okay, because I, I was going to
1: ask, like, do you smoke it in a pipe or like personal <laughs> consumption? I don't know what's rolling um, eggs.
0: I have smoked. I've smoked it in a pipe. But, um, I wasn't, it was more just out of curiosity. It was something I, I had read about and I like a cigar every now and again. So I thought, you know what? I'll just, I'll just try this. How hard can it be? And it's really not that hard. I'm told it's not great tobacco. So maybe I need to try a different variety. Hmm. Um, this was from cigarette smokers. So I liked the pipe. Smoke that I did, like I liked that. Sure. Um, but that's something we've tried. Uh, it also keeps away pests growing the tobacco. The insects okay. don't like it, so it was kind of a kind of a double whammy, I guess you could say. Um, other than that, I I'm not. I mean, that's one of the reasons I I try and shy away from the label of a homesteader or whatever. Anyways, I'm not a particularly unique. I mean, we don't. I don't think we really do anything particularly crazy partially by design, Um, you know, I, I think especially, I mean, we, so we, we homeschool our kids. um, How many kids do you have? So we have five. Wow. Good for you. So um, we homeschool them. I work a day job. So I, if I can learn from somebody else, I learn from somebody else, which means uniqueness isn't necessarily something that I strive for. Um, I'd rather someone else learn the lesson for me. Um, despite my philosophy of, of learning by doing, um, you know, I'll watch YouTube videos and whatnot to learn, right. but, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think we really have tried anything, anything crazy really, other than the tobacco. I think my daughter wants to grow some peanuts this year. I don't know very many people that grow peanuts, like small scale. No, I, so, I just,
1: just SpongeBob, I think I've seen <laughs> grow, grow peanuts.
0: Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But other than that, like I said, I, I, it's pretty normal stuff as far as unique stuff. We're probably going to try. I am. So I bought a sawmill, um, back in December. It, it's finally here. I'm, I'm building it. I'm actually short some parts. So that's been a little of Oh, frustrating.
1: Of course, of course yes. you're short parts. So it's going to be another six months before you get them.
0: Well, they actually, it, it, we were lucky. They are little plastic, um, injection mold pieces. That the 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 um engine raises and lowers on. Um they shipped me the wrong size. But mm. it um so I you know, I waited eight weeks for it and then I actually we had um we were sick the week I got it, so it was pretty miserable. And so when I finally get out there, I go through the first, you know, I get the whole bed made and um then I discover that we're short pieces. So it was a little frustrating. But we're going to try building building our own house here. Um, so that's, I guess, I guess you could say that's unique. So we're going to, I'm going to do all the work on that. Um,
1: you take days. lumber from your Hopefully place?
0: from the property. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what in terms of um, lumber and how it works in other states, but here in Missouri, um, the big cash crop is walnut, black walnut. And... Um, cottonwood right now people make pallets out of and surprisingly despite lumber being ridiculously expensive right now um nobody else really uses a whole lot of other wood so my hope is to use some of what we have on our property um and then other what people varieties do you, do you have so we have a lot of oak um it's an oak and hickory northwest missouri's used to be oak savannah That's pretty nice so i have some options but right now white oak usually is cash lumber but nobody's really buying it right now from what i understand um at least here Mm. locally and there's other options um most people don't use their hickory um, but hickory is something i can make cabinets and hardwood floors out of Um, honey locust is actually really comparable to oak in terms Mm -hmm. of strength it splits a little bit but so plan is to is to timber frame. I told you earlier that I couldn't let my father one-up me with a dome. So my plan is is a timber frame house. Dude, we'll build.
1: So, I love timber frame houses. The, I'm kind of taken with them. So man, it's gorgeous. The joinery. Like it's just those those guys that like really, really do it. Um they're just like masters in their craft. Like it's just, I don't know. Just like, ooh, that's I cool.
0: A who is it? Northman, you know that YouTube channel at all? I don't think so. I think they're in Latvia, I wanna okay. say. They're they're an Eastern European. It's it's a guild of people that basically just do things traditionally. And I think the guy that runs it, he's he's a carpenter. I think it's the guy that runs it. I don't I don't necessarily know all the backstory and it doesn't help that it's in another another country, but um he has like a twenty minute video of him making this cabin primarily by hand. Um logging with um a two-man crosscut saw and hauling the wood oh out behind a horse and then doing all the joinery and i was really really taken by that my wife would probably have preferred she, that i'd never seen that video but i was probably. really taken by that um
1: building your house will take 10 times longer but man when yes. it's done it'll be so amazing
0: yes and i mean we you know it i guess it's uh me being cheap too but we uh, my the goal is to try and stay out of debt for that build so the the point of it would be you know we get the mill and then at least the majority of the things we can we can source very locally um you know keeping consumption down that way and um cheaply so so that's that's the plan there i hope so i hope so it's kind of a it's kind of a bit of a gamble um you know learning learning how to timber frame i mean the, the goat barn that I was talking about, that's going to be kind of the first project.
1: Oh, so kind of get your feet wet in it. Okay, this is how I, I this I like this type of joint or whatever. Yeah, or just
0: like, I can do this. And, uh, you know, with the goats, if the barn falls down, it's, you know, at least it wasn't me and my my kids kind of a thing. And yeah. the beauty of it, I mean, ultimately, if it turns out to not be something that I like, or it turns out that I don't have nearly as many uses for the mill, you know it's an asset that can be sold so it it's not a right it's i mean i'm not it's different than if i just spent you know that money on on part of the house build you know this way it's it's a good that i can sell later so we'll find out i'm sure uh, i'm sure i'll post about successes and failures about that but that's uh that's probably going to be this it. yeah it'll be it'll be fun it'll be it'll be interesting so
1: speaking of plans What's your plan with the goat herd? You kind of touched on it earlier, kind of build it up a little bit and then sell, sell more. I'm assuming
0: the hope. Basically we're going to kind of dip our feet into that and see, um, I've touched upon it on, on, some posts, but it's about $4 a quart for goat milk at Sprouts in in locally. Um, and that's pasteurized goat milk. And so my thought is to just try and find some people, um, do you pasteurize, or do you just we, we do not? We do not. Okay. So I, I would assume. I mean, it's legal here in Missouri to sell farmer direct um, raw milk, so I don't have to. I won't be worried about any any kind of legal hurdles. Um, okay. We thought about doing a herd share. Basically, we're just going to try and dip our feet in it and see if it's worth it. Um, I don't necessarily. I guess that's. My wife has her own little side hustles, and obviously, I have a job, and so. I want to make sure, because at the end of the day, that's not entirely the focus. Like, I'd love to make money, um, and if maybe we can time it so some of the kids—all our kids—are really young. Um, they're all, I think, well, I, I don't think I know. The oldest is turning six. Um, so.
1: Oh wow! Just pumping them out. Bang! 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 Bang!
0: Well, we have we have a we did we did have a surprise, but then. We also were in the middle of adopting one of them. So they're oh. all all way down there. So yes, it's it it does look a little crazy, but we didn't they're not all biological. My poor wife was not pregnant quite that much. Um, but you know, the my my dream with some of those businesses is to be something the kids can run pretty much by themselves. Sure. Um as they get older, you know. So have one that's responsible for the dairy. You know, one that's responsible for the eggs. Um, you know, have one that's helping me with the mill or whatever. Um, I'm not sure the timing's gonna work quite quite right for all that, but we'll see. Um, but if I can make money on it, I'm absolutely game. Um one of the downsides with dairy that's different obviously with eggs, the milk doesn't keep as long. So With gas prices going up, I don't drive to the city. I only drive to the city twice a month. Um, So delivering it to people that that would actually be interested in it will be a little difficult. So we're still trying to work all that out. You know, if I'm selling a quart for $4 and gas is $4, you know, it takes a lot of milk to be worth going. I mean, I guess it could pay for my trip to the city. but So we'll have to see how that all works. Um, But the goal would be to keep growing it get to the point where we can start um, trying to sell milk. If that doesn't work, then we'll just take a step back, start selling some of the dolings and um, not, not expand the herd past that point. But I guess like anything with any of those small businesses, you know, there's, there's a high likelihood that it'll fail. And uh, we've tried both my wife and I, we've done some entrepreneurial type things, um, and failed at most of them, with the exception of her current endeavor. Um, so we're kind of used to it trying to make sure that you know we don't get our all our eggs in one basket and we're willing to you know we have the ability to fail and and you know not be too stuck into a, a business idea. So we'll have to see what happens sure. be the a little
1: flexible and see what yeah. looking yeah. looking promising, sure. I got so. You. We'll see you there. What, uh, what has been the biggest challenge in homesteading, or in your case, just providing your own food, uh, that you faced? What's the biggest challenge?
0: Honestly, it's probably trying to live the the balance. I th- I think on I mean I it was a it was a topic of conversation on on Twitter this this last week amongst amongst some of our some of our mutual acquaintances that. You know that home setting—it's—it's—it's it's, it's fake, um, and and I don't necessarily agree with trying to balance the normal. Normal, such a weird word to use it, but trying trying to make sure, like I work forty hours at least a week, making sure that we're making progress on the things that are important to us. Um, in the homestead, or you know, all the other things that that accompany that. Um, I I talked about. I do almost all the work around basically everything here, so if a car breaks or whatever. So I mean, I have to juggle all those things on top of a homestead. Um, and so basically, and it, it it goes back to just being overwhelmed when we first got here. It's it's really trying to take manageable bites at all of these projects when you're you're living a double life. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, people used to grow their food and that was a full time job, and we have the benefits of mechanization and all these other things that we can do, but at the end of the day, it still used to be a full time job, and so being reasonable with yourself, um, and just saying, you know what, this is this is this is good enough, or this is what we're going to accomplish this year, and it seems silly and it doesn't seem like it's very much, but this is reasonable because. That's truly was the hardest part was trying to find that happy balance, um, you know between those two lives, kind of a thing. I mean, I I work IT and then I go out and I, you know, I'm hoeing up a garden patch. Like that dichotomy can be really hard to balance, and especially right, with friends right. and family that you know they were used to Josiah the city. You know, I I played video games and board games with friends, and you know, it was pretty an average average urban, you know, suburban dweller um so trying to balance all those things is is hard so i think that's probably the hardest thing about about the about how we choose to live is trying to make those balances and 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 making all that work for the family
1: right there's a there's a thing going around uh, on social media right now it's like people feeling burnt out on doing this that and the other thing and whatever the little audio overlay is, it's like, just do more things that matter is what the key is. Like, don't try to do everything. Just do more things that matter. So, and I, well, I like that. I, like that. I,
0: mean, I think, I mean, to some degree, that's where that whole, uh, the whole vertical monopoly versus the horizontal, it's like, I could do pigs. I could do cows. I could do all these things, but like, despite the fact that goats are really frustrating um, at times, you know, picking, I like goats. So we're just going to be do goats. Does it solve every one of my problems? No, because we still buy bacon. We still buy sausage. Um, Does it, does it solve problems and, and make me happy? And, and is it fulfilling? And do I feel burnt out? No, that's, you know, it's, it's a good thing. And it gives me some flexibility, you know, and so very much like what you were saying is you we it picking and choosing the things that really are going to matter to you, or the things that are really important, and being willing to be flexible about the rest, and and not get burnt out. Because we did, we absolutely did that first year. Um, it was hard and learning. A lot to try of people quit back. after
1: stuff like that. They're just like, "Yeah, well, no, this absolutely, way too absolutely. Much. I, I'm out." Yeah.
0: And it's and it's hard. And I mean, that's one of the things when when I see anybody post social media or you know I have my wife's had a couple of friends that have kind of started down this road. And I'm like, listen, pick one thing, mm-hmm. just pick one thing,
1: one thing a year. Yeah. Do it,
0: learn, you know, if you're really feeling good, you can pick two, but don't do three, like three's too many. Like just pick two, get into it and just get really good at those two things. And then move on to the next thing and add one or two things again. Um, Because otherwise you'll get overwhelmed and then you'll get to a, you'll get to a point where you say, you know what, this is a good number. This is a good amount for us. This is, this is a happy place. You know, this is enough work. This is enough, um, commitment. I'm good at this. I like these things. We're going to stop here. And I think that's a lot more reasonable, especially if you have to live those two lives, you know, if you have to work a a day job and, and do this on the side, right. It's reasonable.
1: Yeah. So then what would you tell people that wanted to get started in farming or homesteading or just providing their own food?
0: You can do it. If, I mean, if I could do it, anybody can do it. I think is the big thing. I don't, there's been a lot of people, um, especially friends of my wife that she was pure city girl. Wasn't particularly interested in this stuff until we really got started. Now she's an absolute pro. So um, item one, if your spouse is really into it or really, you know, that's a that's a that's an important thing but that that being aside they they all just automatically assume that this is how i grew up and um it's absolutely not i all of these things are, are things i've had to learn um so if i can do it anybody can do it um again just pick that one or two things things that are important to you things that you think you're gonna like because uh, again like i didn't i didn't visit any place that honestly the closest i'd been to a goat I mean, I, goats were a a petting zoo, like at the, at the Missouri state fair. Like I didn't, I didn't have any experience with goats. I didn't have zero animal husbandry experience. I helped, I helped with sheep. um, When I was a kid, we would, we would um, round them up and hold them for a sheep shear. So I, I mean a little bit of exposure, but nothing. I mean, I didn't grow up around it. I, those were all
1: at the state fair and be like, yeah, those
0: are huge balls, right? You know, it was, it was nothing. I mean, those were, those were unique enough experiences that I, I have, I, I remember because they were odd. It wasn't a normal thing. Um, so yeah, I didn't have anything and I didn't even, I don't, I still don't really know anybody around here that, that has goats. I mean, I know I've seen them, but you know, learning it's, it's hard because of the time commitment, but animals know what to do. And so it's not particularly hard keeping animals. If you can keep a dog, you can keep a goat. Um, Milking goats is a little bit of a different story, but if you can keep a dog, you can keep a goat. So none of it's particularly hard. It's not, it's not intellectually challenging or anything like that. So I just, I just tell people do it. It's not, um, there's no big hurdle. If you're willing to do it, if you're willing to put in the work, um, you can figure things out and, Especially, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't on Twitter at the time when we first got into it. I was not on any internet sites right. really. There's a lot of opportunities for people to learn on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, um, and how to do these things. Um, so you can leverage that. You can leverage that. You can learn from somebody in, in a completely different state. Um, you know, that has that can handle your your unique setup um and that's that's really cool and it's something i didn't really leverage until very recently but you can and it's not it's not rocket science it's it's really not so i think anybody can do it
1: yeah what i like about the homesteaders and farmers and whoever they're so willing to help um even just even just this talking Almost everyone said yes. They're just like, yeah, I'll talk to you. Um, what do you want to talk about? They're just like, well, just farming, homesteading, growing food, like stuff. And so they're just like, they're so willing to share. It's really amazing. It's such a great, great community. Um Yeah, it's just it's very cool. People are people are cool.
0: One of the one of the other things, and truthfully, I mean a lot depends on where you end up landing. Um, but the community here. Has been really, really good. Um, obviously, it's a lot more conventional um, ag, but especially when you get to talking to some of those old people, um, they they know how things were done a hundred years ago, and that that's, in my opinion, that's kind of the first target point is. You don't have to do anything crazy. Like, try things pretty conventionally. Just just make it conventionally a hundred years ago, not conventional now. But like one of the guys, um, when we shelled that corn. when we got that corn he i was talking to him about it and he was like yeah we used to feed i used to raise pigs just on on corn i would pick up out of fields and i was like well how do you shell it because we've just been like twisting it with gloves on and he described it and then he ended up wandering back into his barn later that day and he he found a, a sheller um that we ended up using so i would i would say again like you know sometimes you might assume that that person doesn't really have a whole lot of experience with it, but, um, they they might have tools. Yeah. Or they might have tools that, you know, I bought that mill and one of the, one of the deacons from our church, um, he was like, well, I I have a mill. It's, you'd need like 150 horsepower Cummins because it's a 32 inch, you know, circular saw blade thing. But so, I mean, he, he grew up doing that though. So like he milled, he milled the old way. Like he, I mean, he, that's what he grew up doing. And so these things were like, I wouldn't have assumed that. I wouldn't have known that he's a he's a conventional ag farmer. Um, he's a great guy, and and if I wanted to know about conventional ag at all, th- that would be a great source. But in addition to all that, he had a bunch of information that I I would have not assumed he had, and he was willing to talk about it all. You know, yeah. so you those things. I mean, it is kind of a universal thing. People like, I think people don't don't really understand just how much people like helping other people. I mean, what it boils down to so i i mean the internet's proof of that there's random strangers offering advice about all sorts of things that you know and a lot of it's good so yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah, and most of it's also well-intentioned too yeah Um, even if it's wrong
0: (laughs) (laughs) i've i've seen some wrong stuff so but yes most of the time they're you know, and it, it does, it does go back to some, to some degree to some of those things where like their experience that may have really worked for them. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it could still be wrong, horribly wrong, but it also worked. So how wrong could it be, especially for them? Right. But, that's true. but by and large, I mean, there are some people that you're like, well, you probably should give advice. You probably should not give advice about that. But then there's some people where you, you know, you realize they're like a, you know, a guru of, of their topic and, running into those people, especially on the internet or even locally. I mean, there's, um, there's that guy with the pigs. Like I was talking about that he raised pigs, you know, knowing, um, you know, he was talking about all the different little things about raising pigs and all that stuff. And I was like, this is better than watching a YouTube video. I've got this guy that lived it. He raised it. You know, this is awesome. I mean, he, I think he's gotta be what 80 something. So he, you know, doing it as a kid in the fifties, I mean he it's a wealth of information because that's that's pretty much that time period like I was talking about that conventional ag you know those are it's a it's a decent starting goal is is mm-hmm. that time period so learning from those folks, especially while they're still here big deal so
1: yeah yeah absolutely well um that that does it for all my questions do you want to tell people where they can follow you um what you've got going on um because you, you, did you say that you're going to start a website or
0: the? So my my wife has an Instagram, and I'll end up posting it on Twitter. Um, right okay. now, she um originally it was for a, kind of all of her side hustles altogether. and so this this she'll end up spinning up one just just for farm related stuff. So I'll end up posting that. Okay. Um, and that'd be a good way to see um the more artsy side of things. You're more likely to find um something uh, some practical things from me than than you are anything fun um but so twitter um it's uh 15 is my handle but um you can find me by Josiah young as well i'll have links Uh,
1: to that as well yeah
0: okay but yeah so we'll end up we'll we'll have an instagram and a website up um probably within the year um i realize that's kind of a, a long time frame but we don't really have anything to sell right now so that's that's pretty much more just sure. uh, getting getting the word out but um yeah i just uh i kind of post a stream of consciousness stuff but you're gonna see um the attempt at a goat barn um again just watching some youtube youtube videos and a book and i'm gonna go out there and try and build a goat barn um timber frame and um you'll see some more goat stuff and i'm pretty big on the mass side of things so i've had a couple posts like that and, and there's some more coming down the pike as far as what's the value, how, you know, is this worth it from a financial aspect? Is this worth it from a, from a, um, uh, time aspect, um, kind of things. I, again, I, I don't necessarily say a whole lot of unique things, but, uh, really it's just more like any, anybody can do it. So I don't have a lot of plugging to do. Like I said, I, I don't even sell anything, so I can't do it. I can't do a whole lot of plugging, but.
1: That's all right. You're selling knowledge of what you're doing right now.
0: I'm off I'm giving it giving it free of charge. So and there you go. Amateur, amateur you. knowledge. So <laughs>
1: hey, we all ought to start somewhere and somebody's right. behind me. So but hey, I appreciate your time tonight. And uh it was
0: a lot of fun. It was a lot you. of fun. Yeah,
1: me too. And so uh yeah, every for everyone else, uh you can follow Farm Hop Life almost anywhere. I'll have a link in the description. So see you later.